Welcome to The Skin Reel, your guide to all things skincare, skin health, beauty, and more, curated by dermatologists and true skin experts. I'm your host, Dr. Mary Alice Mina. I'm a double board certified dermatologist and dermatologic surgeon with over a decade of clinical experience. If you're looking for real, practical, unhyped skincare guidance and expertise, or you just think the skin is really cool, then you're in the right spot. I'm so glad you've tuned in to The Skin Reel. Now let's dive in because this is how dermatologists talk skin. Hi everyone, quick disclaimer here before we start. This podcast is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional. If you're looking for help on your skin journey, please check out the American Academy of Dermatology's website, aad.org, where you can search their database for dermatologists near you. It is so important that you have someone in your corner who's well-trained, licensed, and board-certified who can help you make decisions when it comes to your skin health. Okay, got it? Great. Now for the fun stuff. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me on this week's episode of The Skin Reel. I am really excited to have my colleague, Dr. Jacqueline Watchmaker, on with me today. She is a laser expert and is going to be sharing with us lots of great tips and pearls about laser and energy-based devices. Dr. Watchmaker practices medical, procedural, and cosmetic dermatology at Southwest Skin Specialist and the Center for Aesthetic and Laser Medicine in Scottsdale, Arizona. However, she did her dermatology training at Boston University and then did a prestigious fellowship at Skincare Physicians in Chestnut Hill with Dr. Jeffrey Dover, who actually was on the podcast a few weeks ago. And she is an expert in energy-based devices and lasers, and she enjoys lecturing on these topics nationally and internationally, as well as writing multiple book chapters and lots of research papers. But she says that still with all of her accomplishments, the most rewarding part of her job is instilling confidence in her patients through the treatment of their skin conditions. And I couldn't agree more. That is one of the most rewarding parts of what we do, isn't it? Thanks so much for being here, Dr. Watchmaker. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Let's just start off with basics. What are lasers? So lasers, it actually is an acronym. And um, laser stands for light amplification by stimulated emission of radiation, which is kind of like a mouthful. It's a lot of words. (laughs) Now Um, we know why it's shortened to laser. (laughs) Exactly. Um, But to kind of simplify things, all the kind of the definition of a laser is that it has monochromatic light. So it has one kind of wavelength that it emits. And depending on the wavelength, it kind of tells us what the laser is best at treating. So there are wavelengths of light that are kind of best absorbed by, you know, red blood cells. And so those lasers treat things that are red. There are wavelengths of light that are best absorbed by water, which is a big component of collagen. And those lasers are best at kind of, you know, regenerating collagen. So, you know, a laser is, you know, it can be a lot of different things, but it's always monochromatic light. And in dermatology, we use them to treat a wide variety of skin conditions. Yeah, that's so cool how it's really super specific for that 
that pigment and that color, that that wavelength, that is really, really neat. And the physics behind it is is really cool. Now, I know we use that term laser, uh, you know, quote, kind of loosely, because there are a lot of things that people call lasers that aren't really true lasers. Right. Is that right? That's definitely correct. Um, I think the most common thing that people call a laser that isn't a laser is like an intense pulse light device or an IPL device. Sometimes people call them photofacials or BBL broadband light. And you can tell by the name broadband light, it has multiple wavelengths of light that are emitted. So by definition, you know, IPL and BBL devices are not really lasers. But sometimes people even call, you know, radio frequency devices and microneedling devices and ultrasound devices lasers, which isn't correct, but that's okay. Not everyone's a laser expert. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. It's not technically right, but we know what people mean. But yes, lasers really have to have that um, monochromatic wavelength, don't they? Yes, yes. So how do we use lasers in the skin? Are they just all for making people younger and beautiful and cosmetic indications? Or what are sort of the uses for lasers in dermatology? Great question. Actually, one of my favorite, you know, uses of lasers is to use it for true, you know, medical conditions, you know, treating scars of any kind, acne scarring, surgical scars, traumatic scars, treating birthmarks like port wine stains, and things like nephus of oda, we can use lasers for. Um, Even things like warts and things like pyogenic granulomas, we can use lasers for. So yes, we do use them, I would say primarily for kind of skin rejuvenation and photo aging and kind of on the cosmetic side of things. Um, But actually my practice is a lot of using it for medical conditions, which I I love. I mean, all of it is very um, rewarding, but yeah, it can be used for so many different things. Yeah, they it's so much more than just removing someone's unwanted leg hair. There's so many amazing applications for lasers. It's really uh, so cool to see and can be really life-changing if someone has a huge pigmented lesion on their face and they're a child or a, a large large birthmark. Laser experts like yourself can really can can change a person's life using lasers, which is amazing. Yes, it's very very rewarding. Yeah, my favorite thing is treating acne scarring. And as a dermatologist, you know, I take them through treating of their acne, and then we can kind of come full circle and then treat their acne scarring. And just, you know, seeing patients on that journey is amazing. And especially the end result, it's very rewarding. I I have to ask, what is your favorite laser for treating acne scars? I would probably say the 1550 millimeter Fraxel laser. It is very effective in all skin colors. And typically, you know, teenagers tolerate it well, usually depending on, you know, the degree of acne scarring, you know, we might have to do, you know, up to six or even eight sessions, but usually we can always, you know, improve the texture of the skin by at least, you know, 50%, if not more. I do also, especially for acne scarring, like to combine it with other non-laser modalities like microneedling and something called TCA cross, where we use like a very strong chemical peel right in the base of some of the um, acne scars, but the laser lasers are kind of the primary thing that we use to treat acne scarring. You made a great point about that we can use it safely in all skin types because it's important to know that not every laser can be used in every skin type. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? 
Definitely. I think that this becomes kind of most apparent with um, the hair removing lasers, just because they're so ubiquitous. So many, you know, especially non-physicians are doing laser hair removal. And it is very important, especially for the pigment targeting lasers, um, to use, you know, the appropriate laser in the appropriate settings in different skin types. For example, skin types one through three, which is, you know, Caucasian patients and some light-skinned Asian patients, we use what's called typically a 755 nanometer Alexandrite laser. Sometimes we use a diode laser for hair removal. But using these wavelengths of light in darker skin can be you know, very dangerous because those lasers pick up pigment both in the hair follicle, but also in the epidermis and it can cause burns um, on the skin. So we have to use a different wavelength of laser, which kind of bypasses the top, you know, layers of pigment in the skin to just reach the hair follicle pigment. Um, and typically we use the 1064 nanometer um, NDEAG laser for, for darker skin. Yeah, the, the lasers are smart, but it can't always differentiate the pigment in someone's skin from the pigment in the hair follicle unless you use a longer wavelength. So that's a really great point and a, another excellent reason to see someone who really has laser expertise, especially if you have darker skinned I saw something on TikTok not long ago about a woman who, I forget the laser that she had, and she really had significant burns, which then left these rectangular white marks all over her face. So you have to be really careful, even though these are everywhere and it seems like, oh, it's how hard is it? You just click a button, right? And it makes a, a zap noise, uh, but you do have to be really careful, especially with, with certain lasers in certain skin types. Definitely. I'm a Mohs surgeon, and so I am dealing a lot with scars. What is your favorite laser for scars in general? I would say the CO2 laser. The CO2 laser is what we call an ablative laser. So it actually kind of vaporizes columns of skin and then creates these kind of micro injuries that then allows collagen remodeling. It is one of the more aggressive lasers, but scars sometimes need, we need to be aggressive with them because they can be thick and sometimes even impair mobility depending on where they are on the body. So usually I use what's called like low density, high energy um, CO2, and we get great improvement in scar texture. I also, especially for scars, like to do something called laser assisted drug delivery, where after I create create those little micro columns in the skin. I topically apply Kenalog or a topical steroid, and it actually goes down into those little channels in the skin and can also contribute to kind of softening of the scar. What, what do you put on topically on the skin? Typically, I do 4D Kenalog. Um, occasionally, I'll mix it with a little bit of 5-fluorier cell as well, but typically 4D of Kenalog. And we can also do for like atrophic scars, so scars that are more depressed. Sometimes I apply um, polyl lactic acid or Sculptra, and studies have shown those little um, Sculptra particles get into those little channels and can kind of help regenerate collagen even more than just, you know, doing the laser alone. It's so cool to hear how a laser that makes those little micro channels in the skin is now being used to deliver drugs. And people are, are definitely looking into this for all the possible benefits out there. But I will do it with like microneedling and sometimes with chemical peels and things like that, just to get that deeper penetration, which you can get with those little micro channels. Definitely. It's a great little trick and super easy to do. Anyone can do it. Well, anyone with laser expertise, right? That's true. Any, any, <laughs> 
that's right. Yeah. And it doesn't require any more injections or, or poking and all that, which is nice too. Yeah, no, definitely. It really just depends on the, the type of scar. Some scars are kind of pretty flat, but just pink. So then I do love using, you know, the pulse stylizer is what I have. Um, typically it requires, you know, at least three treatments, but it can really draw the pinkness out of scars. If again, there's, you know, texture or some, you know, a contracted scar, that's where I go to the CO2 laser. If it's just, you know, a mildly elevated, you know, not so bad scar, sometimes I'll just do the, the Fraxel 1550. But yeah, it really depends on the what the scar looks like. Sometimes if it's a hypopigmented scar, so lighter in color, I'll laser and then apply topical bimatoprost, um, which has been shown to kind of repigment hypopigmented scars. So you kind of have to, yeah, I look at the scar, figure out what's wrong, and then kind of laser accordingly. Yes. Yeah. A scar there, when you say scar, it can mean so many different things, right? It's not just a one size fits all. There's very different kinds of scars. There are acute scars, more chronic scars, scars over joints and and parts of the body that require movement. So uh, there really, really, really depends on what type of scar and a, a real laser expert will be able to assess that and then pick the laser that's best for that scar. Earlier, you had mentioned, or several times actually, that these laser devices require a series of treatments. Can you kind of elaborate on that? It's not just a one-time in and out kind of deal? Usually not. Occasionally, some of our, you know, pigmented lasers patients um, are happy after one treatment or if, usually for, you know, especially treating some lots of, you know, pinkness in the skin or a very, you know, thick scar or just a lot of sun damage. Um, I always counsel patients it takes a series of treatments. You know, anything with the skin takes time to both heal and kind of remodel. And usually, depending on the laser and the treatment, but usually, you know, at least three treatments based a month apart. But again, it's very variable depending on the patient and what condition you're treating. Yes, exactly. But yeah, don't be surprised if your your laser expert does uh, recommend a series of treatments that's in fact actually really common. And a lot of times it's for your own benefit. I know we all want things quick and a quick fix and done and perfect. But a lot of times uh, doing a series of treatments is really the way to go. Yes, especially with, you know, darker skin patients, when sometimes we have to start with um, lower energy so that we're being safe in their skin, it does sometimes require definitely more as well. Yes. Now with uh, the weather getting warmer and summer out, are there certain lasers that are a no-no in the summertime? That's a great question. I get that question a lot. And I really think it is person dependent and almost location dependent. When I used to live in Boston, we used to, you know, avoid doing a lot of the lasers, especially more the pigment lasers in the summertime, because you really have to be good about sunscreen after the resurfacing lasers and some of the pigment lasers. However, in Arizona, in the summertime, <laughs> it's very hot. So most people are kind of more indoors. So usually I tell my patients, if you're going to be good about sun protection, we can laser you any time of the year. But I I always say, you know, pretty much no matter what laser we're doing, I don't want you to have a tan. So I'm like, if you go to Hawaii and come in with a golden bronze tan, you know, we're going to have to reschedule. So protecting yourself from the sun both before and usually for a few weeks after is very important. Um, but it does slightly
slightly depend on, you know, the procedure we do, the type of laser, the intensity of the laser. You made a good point because I, I too trained in Boston and now I live in a warmer, um, a, a sunnier, I'll say, climate. We still have the four seasons uh, usually, but in Arizona, I can imagine it's really, you know, is there really a, a huge difference in sun from January to, to August, but certainly it's, it's hot in the summer. So you make a good point. If you're just inside, then it wouldn't necessarily be a no to not get that procedure done. Right. But even inside, you have to wear sunscreen because as we know, UV rays can come in through car windows and most windows. So Yeah. People get more sun than they think. And I always tell people too, you're spending money and time on these treatments. So protect your investment and make sure you're protecting your skin and wearing sunscreen. Because if you just spent a lot of money on a resurfacing procedure, you don't want to go screw it up on your cruise in two months. So some protection for sure um, all the time. Now, we've sort of talked about medical applications of lasers. What are some of the cosmetic or some of your favorite cosmetic procedures that you can treat with lasers? Probably my favorite one, especially being in Arizona, is um, the 1927 Thulium laser. And there's a lot of different, you know, device companies out there that make a 1927 Thulium laser. And they're all a little bit different. Fraxel makes one. There's one called the LaserMD. There's a new one called the Moxie. There's the Clear and Brilliant that all use that 1927 wavelength. And that wavelength actually stays very superficial in the skin. But that's good because it can help with those superficial fine lines. And it can also help with that superficial pigmentation and some of those, um, you know, lentigenes and, and sun damage. It can also help treat, you know, little precancer spots like tinea keratoses. I love, you know, the thulium laser because it's predictable. Patients see results. There's not a ton of downtime. I actually just had one this morning. Depending on the, you know, settings you use, you're, you know, pink and puffy for a few days. But, you know, I usually laser on Friday, definitely back to work on Monday. They don't really have to take much time off of work, if any. And patients see results. And actually a new study just came out of Harvard that showed using these non-ablative fractional lasers like the thulium and the 1550, you can actually help prevent some skin cancer formation. So I always tell my patients, especially in Arizona, everyone has sun damage and 90% of people by the time they're 70, you know, have a basal cell. So we can do these lasers for both cosmetic and the medical benefit. And usually that sells them on it if they're not. (laughs) That's right. They, They feel good. It's not just for cosmetic indications, right? Right. But that that was a cool study to, we've always, I know even when I was in training 10 years ago, we've always sort of thought this likely could help prevent skin cancer, right? By removing those malignant cells and, and stimulating collagen and everything. And it's nice to see it finally published out there in the, in the literature. So that's really exciting and cool. I uh, don't predict insurance is going to start covering this laser procedure, however. I know. I don't think anytime soon. That is one of the fr- frustrating things, even for, you know, when we're treating acne scarring, which is arguably, you know, a medical issue, um, or even kind of, you know, rosacea, you know, we treat with the vascular lasers, insurance, you know, companies view it as cosmetic, so they don't cover it. Um, And I unfortunately don't see that changing anytime soon. That it, it is too bad because it is quite effective and it's it's too bad that um, it won't be covered like medications and things like that. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the uh, lasers for acne. Yes. So 
they're new. They specifically target the sebaceous glands, the oil glands that, you know, create acne. Typically, it's a series of three treatments spaced around a month apart. And we have about year-long data that shows a good proportion of patients who complete the three treatments have good improvement in their acne. We don't currently have one yet where I'm working on getting one. I do think it's a great alternative for patients who don't want to do, you know, oral medications, especially Accutane. And so far, the data seems to show that, you know, the results from these lasers are kind of similar to the results of Accutane in that the sebaceous glands don't kind of come back after. So it, I think it's going to be a relatively, you know, permanent almost cure for acne, which would be great. I've had the procedure done. It's a little pinchy, but it's really, especially one of the devices, the Avoclair, um, you don't really do any numbing medicine um, and it doesn't take long at all. It's a relatively easy procedure to do, really not any downtime. So yeah, I look forward to you know seeing more long-term data and seeing more studies, but I'm, I'm very optimistic about them. Yeah, that, that would be great to have a treatment that is not uh, systemic and that can really provide dramatic results for people with acne. And, and hopefully by treating their acne proactively, we are also helping prevent scarring. Well, we know we are, right? That That's a great alternative, although we do have some isotretinoin is a very effective treatment for acne. It's not a good fit for everyone and it does have side effects. So being able to treat acne with a laser is really, really cool. Now, this may not be a laser. What about the microcore? Microcoring, is that a laser? It's not a laser. It actually uses these little, almost like hollow needles that takes out tiny, tiny microcores of skin, thousands of them in a treatment. And the little tiny cores of skin that are removed with the treatment are beneath the threshold that causes a scar. So similar to how when you get an IV, those needles are quite big, but you never you know, get scars after you get an IV. So it's kind of a similar concept to that. Um, and your skin kind of just contracts after the microcoring procedure. What's remarkable is um, typically after microcoring, by day three, you're just kind of a light pink. Immediately after, it looks a little gory. You have all these like tiny, tiny holes in your skin. And you do have to do some good, usually injectable anesthesia. Um, but the recovery process is quick. And I think it's, you know, a great, it's another tool in our toolbox and kind of a novel idea that we haven't been doing before. And I think for scarring, for stretch marks, for drug delivery into the skin, I think there's, you know, a ton of applications that are just now being explored with the microcoring device. So I look forward to, you know, hearing more about it in the coming years. Now, and again, I'm, I'm sort of delving into more energy-based uh, tr- light therapy. What about cellulite? You know, it seems like everyone's got it, everyone hates it, and there's no good treatment for it. So are you familiar with any of the energy-based devices for that? Yes. So there's a few. Cellulite's tricky. People a lot of times refer to cellulite as just kind of the rippling of the skin, especially of kind of the anterior and posterior thighs. And technically, this is more skin laxity than true cellulite. So typically for that, injectable biostimulators like Sculptra is what I prefer. Sometimes radiofrequency devices like Thermage can be used. Um, I'm not super impressed with how those work. But for true cellulite dimples, which are caused by little kind of septa under the skin that are kind of tethering and pulling the skin down to create those dimples. There's a few options. Um, One of them is called brisonic and it basically uses high frequency sound waves to kind of break up those septa. Um, I know they're kind of the, the company that 
acquired it, it's kind of redoing the device because it used to be very loud. It's like this basically intense vibration kind of over your cellulite to break up the septa. They're kind of working on, you know, optimizing the treatment. There is another treatment called Ovaly, which actually uses mechanical subcision. So it's this little device that's inserted under the skin that kind of latches onto the septa. And then you're able to individually cut the septa that are specifically causing the visible cellulite dimples. So it's actually, yeah, mechanical subcision. And I do this treatment. It definitely works very well. But again, it only addresses those dimples, not so much that skin laxity that I think a lot of women um, are concerned about. Um, I know Quo was just taken off the US market. Um, I think it just caused way too much bruising for it to be successful. But other than that, there's not a ton of good things out there. I know all over Instagram, people say like these body scrubs. <laughs> yeah. You know, caffeine and <laughs> caffeine, but you know, none of that is really, you know, addressing cellulite. Cellulite is hard, but I think industry realizes that it's an unmet need. And I think that's where a lot of these newer devices and companies are filling a need. And I think there's, you know, still work to be done, but um, some new exciting things that are currently being done. Yeah. And tell me, what are you most excited about in the world of laser or energy based devices coming out in the next couple of years? Ooh. What am I most excited for? I think, you know, there's just so much that we haven't explored yet. I think especially if microcoring turns out to work well for off face, you know, that skin laxity on the arms that we really don't have any other good treatment options for, um, that's going to be huge or kind of like the skin laxity above the anterior knees. I get that question, you know five times a week, how can we treat that? And I basically just tell patients nothing. Surgery is not a good option. You know, none of our minimally or non-invasive, you know, options are good. But I think if microcorn can be optimized and can treat that, that's going to be very, very exciting. Yeah, definitely. As, as someone who's now in her 40s, I'm like, wait a minute, where where is this skin coming from? Can you give us sort of your top three pearls for our listeners who are maybe thinking about getting a laser or energy-based device? What are sort of some top tips they should be thinking about before they have the treatment? Yeah, I would say one definitely, you know, see someone who knows what they're doing, La that lasers are a large part of their practice. I did an entire year of basically just laser training. So, you know, I feel confident treating patients of, again, all skin types and colors and all sorts of conditions. And not everyone is that comfortable. Um, I think for relatively simple procedures, you know, there are, you know, other people who, you know, might be sufficient, but especially if you have a complex condition or darker skin, you know, you definitely need to see someone who knows what they're doing. I think that's pearl one. Pearl two would be, you've got to protect yourself from the sun um, leading up to the day of treatment and then after, you know, sunscreen, wiped brimmed hats. Um, and then three, you know, don't expect overnight results. Everything takes time with the body and be patient. Um, but especially if you go to someone good and they have good devices and know what they're doing, you know, you will see results, but it can definitely take some time. Yeah, that that's a great point we didn't touch on earlier, just to have kind of realistic expectations and, and discuss this with your doctor before having the treatment so that you aren't disappointed that you're aware of what this laser device can realistically do and, and what it can't. Um, they're amazing lasers and they can do amazing things, but they do have limitations, right? So you want to make sure that your expectations are aligned with what it can provide because you're most likely spending a good bit of money and you don't want to be disappointed. Exactly. 
those are all really great pearls. And it's been a lot of fun talking with you, Dr. Watchmaker. Where can our listeners find you if they want to follow you or get more information? Definitely. I would say you can follow me on Instagram. My Instagram handle is just my name, Jacqueline, J-A-C-Q-U-E-L-I-N-E, watchmaker, just how it sounds, MD. Um, And I post a lot of fun procedures I do, things I do on myself and, you know, fun pearls from conferences and things um, on there. So, yeah. Yeah, I I love that on Fridays. That's when you do your cosmetic procedures because that's what uh, that's what we all did. Especially we called it Fight Club on Fridays, and that's when you <laughs> try out things, play around, and have fun. So, all right, well, I will put the I will put your social media handle in the show notes so people can uh, reach out to you if they'd like. And I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. Thank you so much. All right, take care. We'll see everyone next week. Thank you so much for listening to The Skin Reel. I hope it's been informative, educational, and perhaps a little entertaining. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to like and subscribe and share with a friend. Don't want to stop your learning just yet? Head on over to theskinreel.com for show notes, blog posts, and so much more. Until next time, skin friends.